This week uh, on the Steam Machine Podcast, a smashing blast from the past. Cue the music. And welcome back to another episode of the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton, and joining me as always are my good buddies. It's the Brothers of Destruction again, Nate. Guess who's back? Back again. Lily's back. Tell your friends to listen to the previous two episodes that didn't have the guy with the bad voice. <laughs> Pyro. <laughs> Pyro. <laughs> uh, Let's go. It feels good to be back, gentlemen. It feels good to be back. How are you guys doing this week? The trio's back together. I'm happy to have it, man. I have been sick. I've been just dealing with a lot, and I'm glad that I'm 100% and I'm ready to record one voice. Heck yeah, we're glad you're back, man. It was fun. Yeah. It was not, wasn't bad doing episodes with just the two of us, but it always feels a lot better when you're here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like I'm the, looking like forward to listening group. to those two. You know, I'm a little bit behind. I... You know, don't listen to it. How dare week, you, so. sir? <laughs> I'm behind on every podcast. Look, I'm a lot closer to caught up on this than I am on the Adventure Zone. Yeah. <laughs> I have like 12 episodes back on that shit. Yeah, that's like me and Tell Him Steve Dave. I've got like half a year worth of Tell Him Steve Dave to listen to. Uh, it's 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 been sad. Uh, real quick, uh, I just want to go ahead and get this out of the way here in the beginning. Uh, because I'll forget it if I don't. I want to give a quick update on the the fantasy league before we jump into what we've been doing this week yeah um, oh did you finally have a game released we had a game release we did all right the steam machines banging gaming ollie ollie world came out okay and ollie ollie world got an 85 Ooh, very good so that's what plus 10 that's, right? 15. that's, fif- that's, that's 15 points buddy oh, right that's off at 70 okay right out the box um, other let's see some other releases came out this week so let me try to find them really quick Sifu uh, which I guess is a martial arts fighting like a fighting brawler type game uh, for Oregon donor which I believe is Jeremy uh, got a 79 respectable so it's ser- serviceable yes but definitely respectable um, Chad from Skulltula fuckers I, <laughs> I love that name uh, he picked Windjammers 2 and Dying Light 2 Stay Human um, ooh, di- ooh. Dying Light 2 got a 77, and Windjammers 2 got a 78. Okay. So not bad. I would have taken Windjammers personally. I thought that that, like, as a sequel to a cult hit like that, I figured it would be, like, just critical candy. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't go as high as I thought it would, but it got it got decent. I was thinking that uh, both of those would be at least an 80. 80, yeah. Personally. Um, <laughs> and as far as uh, pickups... 
uh, Phil Phil went hard trying to make up for that Babylon's fall thing. <laughs> um, and he picked up uh, Crusader Kings 3, Royal Court, Lost Judgment, The Kaito Files, Trek to Yomi, and Oxenfree 2, The Lost Signals. Holy shit. Well, he's going to have some fun, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's, got, he's got two open slots left, and I hope he saves them. There's no way Crusader Kings is anything but a fucking baller game. Like, I can't imagine Crusader Kings coming out and being like, oh, critics hate this one. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, organ donor uh, Jeremy from Oregon, also Pokemon Legends Arts, has got an 85. So Genuinely he, he surprised it's a... not higher. <laughs> yeah. um, the one that I'm worried about that he's got is Stalker 2. Because that's probably going to be all. I hope that game's awesome. Uh, but he's also got Stranger Paradise. So. I'm hoping to make some counterpoints on that motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, that's about it. I think I mentioned Two Point Campus that Mike picked up last week. Yeah. And I'm. I'm immediately, I'm like, holy shit, there's a Two Point Campus game. That's amazing. Um. But yeah, it's been fun so far. I have not made any bids uh, between us and the listeners because I don't think anybody but Mike listens. So if he wants to counterpick me, that's cool. But whatever. Uh, I'm thinking about snagging Elix too. Mm. But Elix. I haven't what done it that? yet. So Elix was like the sequel to the Gothic series, basically, or the successor to oh, the Gothic okay. series. Gotcha. Um, which actually, I guess technically Riven, not Riven, that was missed. Uh you clown is it called Riven hold on Riven was the missed sequel oh shit I don't, I don't know there, there's another sequel to uh, gothic but it starts with an R but I can't remember what it is and I'm not going to spend the time to look it up what have you guys been playing this week either you've been playing anything well Nate I know what you've been playing so go ahead yeah I've been going hard on Pokemon Legend Arceus I think I'm about at the end of the game um, I have just caught a very important legendary Pokemon <laughs> before I started recording with y'all tonight. <clears throat> but the one thing I think is really cool about that game so far is it's given me appreciation for Pokemon I never really cared too much about before, which is always a pretty cool feeling. It's like early on in the game, so this doesn't even count as a spoiler because this is like in the second area of the game. I picked up an Alpha um, Hippowdon. Which is Hippowdon's a Pokemon I never really cared anything about. It just kind of existed. I didn't like it, didn't hate it, you know, just existed. I love this dude in this game. He's so good. <laughs> so what is an alpha Pokemon? So alpha in this game is like there's giant versions of Pokemon that are really high level for the area you're in that basically are just like they're basically like I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it. So if there was like a Titan running through an area of Pokemon <laughs> Yeah, so I saw, like... Uh, was it kind of like in Xenoblade Chronicles where there's, like, a way high-level version of the monsters running around or something I, like that? I have heard people compare this game to Xenoblade. So, yeah. Oh, shit. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, so, for instance, like, this Hippowdon, I think, when I caught it, was level 40 in an area with, like, level 15 level... Like, 15 Ooh. level Pokemon. So, like, yeah. I think it took me, like, five Pokemon to get him low enough to the point where I could actually catch him. What's the uh, what's the evolution of Shinx? Um, he goes to Luxio, then to Luxray. Okay, I think it was a Luxray. Oh, Luxray, okay. I, I think it was a Luxray. Uh, I was, this right when I started, dude, some of my Pokemon were, like, level six and seven. And I saw the, one of those big fuckers, uh, and I was like, oh, man, I should probably run by him. And I, I didn't run by him fast enough. 
and <laughs> I went into a battle and he fucking killed all my Pokemon. <laughs> oh man, speaking of Pokemon too, like I don't know how I've gotten this awesome of luck in the last couple days, but I play Pokemon Go also, and I caught two shiny Pokemon day after day. Like I caught a shiny Electabuzz yesterday and a shiny Natu today. So I'm yeah. pretty stoked about those pickups too, because shinies are not easy to find in Pokemon Go. What does a shiny Electabuzz even look like? It's kind of like a reddish color. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I always, I always wonder like what the what's the rate of seeing a shiny in some of the games, like the games themselves. I mean, it's well under one percent, I believe. Yeah, I think at least at the start, I think it was literally one in two hundred fifty-six. Now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the first shiny was in gold, right? And it was the yeah. the Gyarados that you could find that was red, right? I think there was more than one of them, but I think that yeah, I think shinies first appeared in gold, gold silver. I know red, but the red Gyarados was definitely the one that is the biggest deal. Oh yeah, I always I always snag him. I'm always I save before I go out swimming in that lake because I'm like, no, I, I'm gonna catch him. There is no just defeat him and let him go. No, there's that's not a thing. <laughs> So Arceus is doing you pretty nicely then. It sounds like they've got, like, they just added a lot of, like, uh, weight to stuff that didn't have weight to it before. Like, you can catch trash Pokemon and use that for research, mm-hmm. and it's, like, fun and interesting. It sounds like random battles just have more of a feel of being interesting in general. Yeah, and there's ways to gain experience for your Pokemon that don't involve, like, battling so like if there's like a mineral deposit you want to get you can throw one of your pokemon at it and it'll break the mineral deposit and you'll get the um, items you need to craft things later in the game and that also gives the pokemon that got that for you some experience so it's really cool that like i don't have to worry about battling everything to level up my pokemon when i can just throw some out here and there and get some experience it it allows me to play out what used to happen in my head when I was out in my backyard playing Pokemon. You know so what I'm saying? So you don't think that there's going to be more uh, Pokemon Legends games in the There future? better be. I, I can't see this doing poorly in a way that's going to make them think, no, let's just shelf this and never do this again. I can't see them doing that. I think this has been... I think it's reinvigorated a lot of people in the Pokemon community and gotten a lot of people excited. If they dropped it now, I think that'd be a huge mistake. I, so this I isn't agree. like this isn't let's go uh, Pikachu. This isn't fucking uh, no, but they Pokemon pinball. I, I can tell it's really going to be a thing. I can tell what they learned from Pokemon. Let's go Pikachu, though, because like there are some elements of that that are still around, but they're just way more polished and better now. That's awesome. I, I, I'm really glad that people are like able to engage with this world like it feels like people are really reaching the was it the generation four world i think is what uh legends arceus is in Sinnoh, so Sinnoh. Uh, but basically you, there's like people have a much more of a relationship with Sinnoh than they ever had before yeah. and that's just like super Which cool. i think they were brilliant that they put this out pokemon shining pearl and brilliant diamond before this came out because i'd never played um pearl or diamond before oh i didn't even realize there was a connection okay so the generation that they remade is also the generation that arceus yeah i think that was a brilliant decision because i think i'm appreciating um arceus even more from having played brilliant i'm shining pearl for the first time just a few months ago because like all this lore it all makes a lot more sense like i don't think you need it necessarily to enjoy yourself playing the game but as somebody that didn't play that generation of Pokemon games, I get what's going on in a little bit deeper level than just anybody just starting out would. So I think that was a brilliant idea, putting that out first. 
Yeah, and I I never played um, uh, Pearl or what was Diamond. The Sorry, Diamond. Diamond. Um, but I did play a ROM hack back in the day called Light Platinum, which I recommend to fucking anybody. It's the best ROM hack of Pokemon I've ever played. Um, but it had up to Generation Six Pokemon in there. So there was like oh, 800 Pokemon or something that you could catch. So I've seen these Pokemon yeah. in sprite form. So when I see them now, I'm like, oh, shit, there's such and such. Oh, look at, like, Shinx is fucking adorable. Mean little fucker, but he's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I've been playing some of that, and I've also been uh, emulating on uh, Decimu, I think is how you pronounce it. I don't know. Uh, it's a, in, a DS simulator. Um I'm doing uh, Heart Gold. Nice. Because nice going way back. I never got to play the remake of that, and Gold's my favorite game. Because that was my first big one that I that I had. You know, and I, I fucking loved it. I guess we've all been going back to revisit old shit, too. Because um, the thing I've been playing lately has been a uh, Doom mod called The Long Trek Back Home. And it's uh, basically... At the end of Doom 2, after you beat the Icon of Sin, you're walking back through the levels that have been destroyed by the devastation of all that. That sounds really cool, actually. That does, that does sound cool. It's it's really neat, because it's not just like the levels played backwards. Like, they've added a bunch of, like, like new pathways, and, like, it references the levels, mm-hmm. but, like, yeah. in such a way that, like, they feel like weird liminal spaces, almost. Like, there's a little sense you get when you're playing the game that's, like... The game is over. There's no game left. Leave. Get out of here. Like it's it's weirdly foreboding and like in a really awesome. Yeah, can I, I can imagine playing through that and going back through the crusher level would be really interesting. I'm looking forward to getting to there. That's still quite a long way off. I'm only up to Blood Falls. Right yeah, and I know now, that's like closer like, to the beginning of Doom Two than yeah. the end. So, but Crush, I'm looking forward to Crusher. That actually is like one of my favorite levels. So now, are there? Like, are there enemies for you to fight still, or is it just literally? Oh just... yeah, the, the, the levels are have been repopulated, and the enemies left are. It, it is a little bit more difficult than the original Doom. Like I'm playing on Hurt Me Plenty, and it's significantly harder than UV was on the original. I was just so curious like, if it was just like, I, I, for some reason, like the way you described it, I was picturing it like a like a walking simulator in like a Doom. Yeah, where you just, uh, just it, it feels that down. way. It feels that way at first, and then you start running into resistance. It's it's really well done. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. Like, it is. It's hard to explain, but like, I'm really enjoying like the, the vibes that it puts out. Like, the only reason I'm stuck on Blood Falls is just because that's like a level I never enjoyed that much in the <laughs> first place, too. So I like play it once I die. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I don't like Blood Falls. Yeah, I can that imagine much. you getting similar vibes when you go to like this downtown type levels. Hey, guess what? Barrels of Fun is coming up soon. Yay! <laughs> Although I've heard that they actually did something really neat with Barrels of Fun, so I'm actually looking forward to that nice. one. I uh, I beat the story in Jadonia today. Nice. Well, oh, grass. We saw. I saw you were playing that. The the story so far. So like, I got to a point in the main quest line where the guy's like, "This is what I've done so far." I hope you enjoyed it. More will be coming soon. Um, but for now, you can go do world events and dungeons and side quests. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, that works for me. Um, I still, I really, I do recommend that. And I believe there was, I don't know if there still is, there was a bundle on Fanatical uh, where you could get three games for nine ninety nine, and one of them is Jadonia. So if you wanted, if anybody wanted to, you know, snag it, it's quite fun. It's made by one dude, and it's hella impressive for it being made by one guy. 
like straight up like there's some mistranslation stuff because i believe the dude's russian but like that doesn't bother me yeah <laughs> you know i mean that'll get fixed later it's an early access I mean, game we like, grew up in the era where mistranslations in video games was super common i mean come on all and your plus, base like, are belong to us <laughs> zero wing hell yeah but like translations from russian have not been that bad lately fucking uh graveyard yeah. keeper was translated from a small group from russian and i thought that that game's translation was really good you know like yeah. the character came through i comrade humor translated yeah I ca- donkey <laughs> comrade donkey he, he's a good comrade donkey if you don't give him carrots though he does not do shit <laughs> he comes from the left wing of the stable <laughs> um i uh i also started fucking around with onigiri which mm. is just like this free-to-play mmo that's based on uh japanese mythology isn't that a kind of sushi it is also it is. a kind of okay. sushi, yes <laughs> And because of this game, I've always wanted to eat onigiri. So basically, onigiri is like a Japanese handheld street food. It's like a it's like a sushi hot pocket. Oh, that's it's not awesome! Hot. <laughs> like they they make a big triangle of rice with the sushi stuff oh, in the middle. Oh shit! It's that. And then they okay. they fold a piece of seaweed on there, and that's what you hold, uh, and you just eat it. And I've seen that in cartoons before. I just didn't know what it was called. I, I know what you're talking about. Like I could see like a cartoon drawing of it. In my yeah. Head. Oh, sure. If and you watched also... certain cartoons, they would have called it a type of donut. <laughs> it's a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> no, no shit. That's exactly yeah. In that episode, he was eating onigiri. Oh, was it onigiri they, in that episode? Okay. Yeah. yeah and they, and they called it jelly donut. Jelly donut. They called it a jelly donut in Pokemon. They called it a hamburger in Digimon. It has been translated a bunch of goofy ways. They just think we're too stupid to get it. I mean, we are wicked stupid. That's why we have a podcast. (laughs) Um, And then there were were two things that I wanted to touch on about my Skyrim this week. uh, And then I will uh, shut up about what I've been doing. Pokemon has been killing my Skyrim time. I have not played any more Skyrim. I still haven't talked to the Greybeards. I can't blame you. Like, Pokemon's awesome. That game's a blast. Um, but so there's a mod that I have for a follower. His name's Lucian, and he's basically like a scholar type guy who wants to go around and travel with you and see these Dwimmer Dwimmer ruins and things like that. Um, and he's got a quest involved with him. I won't go into because I don't want to spoil it for anybody who might want to check him out. Um, but he's really cool. He's fully voiced, and that's uh, rad. He, I, I respect the shit out of mod, modders that actually put in a fully oh, voice yeah. character because you're yeah. like you're putting your shit up against professional voice acting, and it's usually and like, better in the fucking Elder Scrolls universe, which is one that's had Patrick Stewart do voices <laughs> and shit like that. Linda Carter is in Skyrim. Yeah. Like you are putting your face up against some dev heavy shit. But uh, but one thing I like about Lucian is you can train him. Like you can talk to him and train him in different stuff, so you can like make him better with two handed. You can teach him spells. Um, you can teach him to be better with armor. You can teach him how to sneak. And when you start teaching him how to sneak, and you guys are sneaking around together, he he goes, "I am vengeance. I am the night. I am making noise. Oh my god, I am so sorry." <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> It cracks me up every time he says it, dude. Like, I just don't get tired of it. Um, but yeah, he's one of my favorite followers. Um, another fully voiced follower I recommend is Anigo, who is a Khajiit. He's awesome. He's fully voiced. He's got like over 3,000 lines of dialogue. 
doesn't matter the moment you say the name Inigo, immediately one voice pops yep. right in my head. In- Man- in- Mandy Paddington. Inigo Montoya. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Well, to well, die. well, my friend, Inigo kind of talks like this. Oh. When he talks. Okay. Like- Okay. He's, he's, he's this one. He doesn't say this one though. Like, to be fair, that is how I Khajiit mean, just he, talk. Yeah, yeah, that does. Yeah, I could actually. Now that you mentioned Inigo Montoya, could be a pretty good Khajiit. So okay, in, Inigo, one of the cool things is like he's programmed to say some shit you wouldn't even think of. Like one time, me and <laughs> I'm him looking are, for the twenty-one clawed cat. <laughs> he's. You're running around with him. Or I was running around with him one time, and I had changed some of his gear, and I had forgotten to give him boots. Right. And we were running around, and I went to sleep in a bed, and we woke up, and I was getting ready to go out to the house, and Aniko goes, ah, maybe today will be the day I finally find a pair of boots. <laughs> and I looked at him, and he didn't have boots on. I went, oh, shit. <laughs> so I gave him some boots. That's and funny. also, like, when you talk to him, he'll be like, I will hold anything you need, my friend, but if you give me a sweet roll, it will disappear. <laughs> And sure as shit, if you give him sweet rolls every now and then, you'll look at him and he'll just be sitting over there eating a fucking sweet roll. <laughs> like it's God it's bless awesome. You, Inigo. Um, and there's a couple other followers that I use that are cool, but I, they're not nearly as cool as Lucian and Inigo. Um, but the other mod that I I have that I would like to showcase this week is uh, Beyond Skyrim Bruma, which puts the town of Bruma and the surrounding area from Oblivion from Cyrodiil into the world of Skyrim. So uh, I think it's near Falkreath. You can head up into the mountains and you can find the border to Cyrodiil. Now you can do this in the main game. Like there's the borders there. You walk the over DLC, it, yeah. and it's like you can't go any further. And you're just like, oh, okay. So it's like an invisible wall. Yeah. But the mod puts a place there where you can open the gate and it takes you to another world space. And then you're in this part of Cyrodiil. Now these modders are working on, um, oh, what is it called? Sky Oblivion, where they're trying to take Oblivion and redo it in Skyrim's engine like they did for... Morrowind and Oblivion's engine because there's a Whoa. you can play more Oblivion and you can play the entirety of Morrowind in Oblivion's engine that's wild so they're trying to do this with Morrowind and Oblivion in Skyrim right you're just making so, the ultimate Elder Scrolls game right? that's basically like what they're trying in, to do you log in and it's like welcome to Daggerfall Arena fucking <laughs> uh it's like, yeah, they're making an offline Elder Scrolls Online map, right? Um, <laughs> and it's also in Fallout 67 somehow. <laughs> but what's what's amazing to me about the Bruma thing is that, like, they have their loads, or LOD, like your uh, load distance stuff, off in the distance. And I, I had a tear, like a legit, like one little tear come to my eye when I ran over this hill. And off in the distance, in the pretty-ass graphics that I have on Skyrim, I saw the Imperial City. Uh, from oblivion wow. like that opening scene where you see that like that's the shot you get when you come over this hill is just the imperial city sitting out there and i was like oh my god that is so cool and then i tried to run over to it and of course i got to a point where it's like you can't go any further I'm like, <laughs> damn it but running around in the bruma area is quite cool nice and then someone put you in a wagon and said you're finally away <laughs> dude did i okay so let me, i'm gonna let me do this real quick so i wanted to do a like a, i'll talk about streaming oblivion or doing a uh maybe like a let's play of it that way i can kind of role play my character and do voices and yacht yeah, just yeah, be yeah. silly with it right and then at the end uh figure out some way to make it where i've sealed all the oblivion gates i've saved everything everything's done but all of a sudden one oblivion gate appears right and i go well that's like my character would be like that's weird i thought i sealed all of these and then he would walk through it and it would do like the weird like 
time thing, right? And then it would come to black, and my character would be like, "What in the fuck? What in the world?" And then it would you look up, and you'd be sitting in the back of that fucking wagon, ah, oh, yeah. and then just have it go, ah, you're finally awake, and then end with the Skyrim music. And then that would be like the continuation is that would be that character going into Skyrim. Nice. So that would also give me a chance to fuck with my stats a little bit when I start Skyrim so I don't have to start a complete fucking <laughs> level one person. Like, all right, so what was I in Oblivion? Let me just, uh, okay, player, advanced skill, uh, da, da, da. yeah, all that jazz. They did They did change some of the uh, oh. skills between games, though, so you have to delete, like, the, uh, the one that, I don't know, I think they deleted one. Uh, yeah, you don't. You, there's a lot of skills that you don't. You don't have like athletics and acrobatics and all that shit. It's all gone. Make an athletics check, Dalton. <laughs> he rolls a d four twenty. Oh fuck, my my d twenty is way over there. Or I would totally roll a, <laughs> roll that for you right now. But I, I it's too far. Out you of know reach. what? I'll I'll just uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. I online. didn't really have anything I planned. Know. I just wanted to make a joke. Keep going with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't really have anything else to touch on before we get into this week's game, unless you guys do. No, I'm good to hear some O-dubs. All right. We got a, we got a double dose of O-dubs this week. Ah, double, double shot. Gotta love it. Oh, yeah, because we got the original and we got the uh, reimagining. Let's go. Yep. All right, so I'm going to start off with Crash Bandicoot the Insane Trilogy, because that's what we used to play Crash Bandicoot 1 this week. Um, and that was released in 2017. It was developed by Vicarious Visions, who I think did an absolutely banging job. Um is a compilation of remasters from the first three games in the Crash Bandicoot series. Uh, Crash Bandicoot, Crash, uh, Cortex Strikes Back, and Warped, which were all originally developed by Naughty Dog for the PlayStation. And some of you younger listeners might know Naughty Dog from Uncharted. Or The Last oh, of Us. Oh, shit. Yeah, damn. What an award-winning-ass no kidding. Right? <laughs> um, this game was released as a timed exclusive for PlayStation 4. Um, and then Windows, Switch, and Xbox One got it a year later. A year later, yeah. Uh, received positive reviews from critics and sold over 10 million copies. Can I also say, I think the idea of a timed exclusive where you get the game one year later, like, that seems kind of legit to me. You know what I mean? Like, it gives the console its own little bit of, like, special feeling, but, like, it doesn't lock everyone else out of the game. And I think that's, like, that's neat. Yeah, I can definitely dig it. Looking at you, Ratchet and Clank and Persona 5. <laughs> you motherfuckers, come to PC so I can play you for this fucking show. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the Insane Trilogy did change a couple things, which we'll touch on. But uh, for now, we're going to hop over to our other O-dubs, which is Crash Bandicoot. Or I guess it would be more like Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> uh, is a 1996 platforming video game developed by Naughty Dog and published by Sony Computer Entertainment for the PlayStation, the original PlayStation. Um, the game's premise chronicles the creation of titular... <laughs> tit. Uh, he, he said tits. <laughs> side note. Side note. Um, GameSack, a YouTuber that I watch, anytime he has this little edit that anytime he says something like titular or anything like that, he just cuts to himself looking at himself going, did you just say tits? And it just it cracks me up every time. Um but this game's premise involves the titular character Crash, uh, a bandicoot, who would have guessed, who has been uplifted by the mad scientist uh, Dr. Neocortex. The story follows Crash as he aims to prevent Cortex's plans for world domination and rescue his girlfriend, Tana, a female bandicoot. Not appearing in future games. 
yeah, a female bandicoot who was way sexier than a bandicoot should be. So that's probably why she didn't appear in anything else. The candy con you know, factor. There could be a yeah. link between furries in this game. <laughs> it is my understanding that yeah, she she's a little too Candy Kong, so they replaced her with the Dixie Kong of Coco Bandicoot in future games. Yeah, and Coco is actually in the remaster. You could play as yep. her. That's true. You had um, the time machine. And I like Coco. She's a cool character. But yeah, uh, so the game is played from a third-person perspective in which the camera trails behind Crash, though some levels showcase forward scrolling and sideward scroll sideward scrolling. Um. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it, it was released to positive reviews, praised the game's graphics, presentation, audio, difficulty level, and the title character, but criticized its linearity and lack of innovation as a platforming game. Now, let's just stop right there. What game was like Crash Bandicoot before Crash Bandicoot? There wasn't. Crash Bandicoot really was its own damn thing. Like, it wasn't a Mario clone. It wasn't a Sonic clone. It actually broke the mold where it had, like you said... The levels were kind of linear or whatever, but like the idea that there were um, side scrollers, forward scrollers, back scrollers, I guess you'd call the boulder level, like nothing like that in any of those other games. So I'm really confused where it said it didn't do any innovation. I can't think of any other game that played like Crash Bandicoot. It plays like a 3Dized version of a Donkey Kong Country or Super Mario World type game. I mean, there's very precise jumping to the point where it's sometimes like single block level precision like it is still a platformer and i think that the complaint that they had was why why are we still having platformers when we are in 3d now it's it's a facile and stupid complaint but i do think the gameplay does not transcend games that existed before it fun fact about precise jumping in crash bandicoot um in the original crash games you know everything back then was squares yeah so Mm -hmm. In the remaster, they're pills. So there's this rounded edge. So you don't have that where you can like land with Crash's tiptoes and be all right in the remaster. Like you'll fall the fuck off. That fucked up a lot of people. Um, apparently, like speedrunners and stuff, when the remasters came out and they were going to try to just play Crash the way they knew how, and suddenly these jumps that they knew they could land, they couldn't anymore because those blocks were just slightly different. And if you landed on them, the way you used to instead of just being like i'm all right keep going it was just like you just landed and slip and you die <laughs> that's ironic because like i feel like pill-shaped collision is actually smarter but as a game player i expect square collision <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i can definitely see that being really tricky for somebody that's already has something so memorized like a speedrunner going to that because that changes a lot of the way you've played the game. Yeah. Like, I'm not one that speedrun, like, 3D platformers or anything, but I can only imagine that that would be pretty wild to get used to. But the important thing to note is that this game is not just a graphical remaster. They literally recoded, rebuilt the levels, everything. This game does not just run, like, Trash Bandicoot, the PlayStation game, in you know modern graphic style it's actually completely rebuilt and like they did a load of work yeah like if you get to the credits of this game they go on for a very long time (laughs) oh yeah yes they do um so what was your guys first exposure to crash bandicoot back in the day like i know mine was playstation one uh, I don't know if it was bundled with my PlayStation when I got it, or if it was just like one of the games that I snagged. But 
you know, I played it back in the day a lot with my dad. That was one of our games that we wouldn't play. So me and they didn't grow up with a PlayStation as early as the Nintendo 64. Our first 3D console was the N64. We went back and bought the PlayStation with money I saved from a, a summer trip at one point. So like it took us a while before we got to PlayStation 1 games. So we didn't have as much nostalgia for the PS1 as the N64. Uh, Crash is a series that we were just like, yeah, these are the platforms of the system. We bought them. We had the trilogy at one point, the same as we had the Spyro trilogy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we definitely had these re- relatively contemporaneously with the series. Like, if we didn't have them when they came out, we must have bought them at Funko yeah. Land or uh, EB Games or one of those places. We had them, like, a couple years after they came out. Okay. I I want to. I didn't get them right away either, oh, unless... Cause, it was this weird time in my life where, like, the PlayStation was technically mine, but my dad was buying games and playing games on it. So obviously, like, mm. I was just playing the stuff that he probably you know enjoyed, which is how I ended up playing Tomb Raider and Siphon Filter and Metal Gear Not Solid. Bad picks. I mean, those are some of the all-time PlayStation One games for sure. Yeah. So you know, and then of course Crash Bandicoot. And man, if there's one thing I remember about the first game. And I was going to touch on this later, but I'll bring it up right now. Is that like, I remember this game being stupid fucking hard. And going back to it, it wasn't as hard as I remembered until I started trying to get the extras. Like, going through the levels themselves, which we'll touch on the levels, you know, in a, I'm sure in a bit. But just, it wasn't so bad, dude. But going back and trying to get the time trials... And then there's the gem that you get for uh, breaking every box on a level without dying. And uh, there was more than more than one time I, I got to see that screen that said, "Hey, congratulations, you got all the boxes." Oh, but you died. Yeah. <laughs> you motherfuckers. Um, but I just I don't know, man. It, it's always stuck out to me as one of my favorite platforming games, and I think the the remaster was really really good. Now, the, so. That first opening scene, I thought was incredible. Uh, when you boot the game up, just before you even get into the game, and it's like a smashing blast from the past, and it oh, yeah. and it shows all the boxes and stuff in the old by, by vicarious visions. Yeah, in the old graphic style, and then Crash comes in, yeah. and he's all poly- polygonal, and he just looks old school, and stuff starts falling into that machine and coming out looking pretty. So he does the dive in there, and then comes sliding out, laying on his side like you're gonna paint him like a French girl. And he uh, he just kind of slides out there like that, and then he falls on his head, and then it's like boom, and it brings you into the menu and stuff. Um, what were your first thoughts like when you booted up the remaster and you saw how it looked, like especially that first level in Crash, because that first level so goddamn iconic. You know, the funny part about that is to me is this trilogy is just how I picture the series now, like the reignited trilogy. I went like you said with Quake and Reignited. Like, so yeah. I went back. Like I actually got a ROM of Crash Bandicoot one, so I could compare. And I was like, I forgot exactly how the PlayStation One games looked because in my brain, for some reason, this trilogy is how they, the Insane Trilogy, not Reignited, whatever. The Insane Trilogy is just <laughs> Reignited is the spy. I thought you were referencing the Spyro no, Reignited Trilogy. That's my bad. But the Insane Trilogy is just how I think of the games now. Like because I guess I've seen some gameplay. And of, of the Insane Trilogy, and that's just how my brain processed the game. When I went back and played the PlayStation 1, I was like, oh, this is how it's supposed to look. So I was not even surprised by the graphics. I was like, yeah, this is a beautiful game. Like, it should be. 
But I mean, that's that's also what you said about Quake too, and I think that's like the sign of a brilliant remaster is when you make a game that feels like how you remember yeah. the game looking. Like that's just beautiful and brilliant. And I have like that. I I agree that, that that's exactly how this did. Like until I looked up video of the original game, like it felt like I was playing just recreations of the original. Yeah. Like, just with more resolution or whatever, you know? Like, you could have told me, oh, you're just playing the original game on a scaled-up emulator, and I would have bought it. I mean, then you look up what they actually did, and you're like, oh, shit, they put a lot of work in this fucking thing to make it look like yeah, that. Yeah, it's gorgeous now. And spoiler for a future episode of the show, Spyro Reignited Trilogy is extremely similarly done. Like, it looks how I remember it, but if you go back and look at videos, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know... My whole experience with Spyro, I do have the Reignited Trilogy, I just haven't played it, but my experience with Spyro was a fucking demo of the first Spyro game. That was what I played, and I played the shit out of that demo. So I look forward it's to playing this one It's such an open world. It's just, like, so expansive. Yeah. And, like, I feel like Spyro and Crash are, like, conceptually very opposite games. Like, the ideas that Crash, or that Spyro grew into would become, like, Banjo-Kazooie and games like that, you know? Yep. Whereas Crash Bandicoot is a very focused... Like, Crash Bandicoot basically becomes Mario Maker. <laughs> I see that for sure. Yeah. I could get that. Um... So, do you guys have any uh, any favorite levels or favorite bosses? I, you might okay. So, if you don't know the level by name, that's fine. But like, if you want to kind of let's throw a description out there. Yeah, I definitely have a favorite, and it's one that I said mentioned a little bit earlier because I do think it was groundbreaking and completely different than anything I'd ever seen in a platformer before, which was the boulders level, which is basically like the Indiana Jones. Yep. You're being chased by the boulder, and I, I remember it being a lot harder than it was. I don't remember it being signposted as well. But maybe, but I played it on the PlayStation One emulator as well, and it was pretty much one for one recreated. So it's it was better designed than I originally thought it was. Exactly, dude. That is exactly the experience I had. Like the main levels, I remembered being like the most striking levels. I thought they were. I remembered thinking they were unfair. It was the boulder coming at you levels, and when we played the game, like at least the first two of them, I played the boulder levels in the game, and I was like. These are really well signposted. Like, you have the time to make the jumps. The jumps are more readable than jumps into the background, I felt like. Like, yeah. I honestly thought that the uh, boulder levels were, like, high points of the game. And I was expecting, like, I remember them being gimmicky in my head. But coming back and playing them like this, I was like, these levels are actually sick. They're really intelligently designed, really well done, really smart, and really cool. And, like... The time pressure the boulder puts on you doesn't feel unfair. Like, it, it worked out in a really cool way. And, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I played those using the the, 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 the uh, joystick, but, like, I think you could play those on the D-pad and they'd also be Yeah, cool. I was actually going to mention joystick versus D-pad because I remember playing... Back this Crash Bandicoot one's an old, old, old PlayStation game. It came out before the oh, days yeah. of DualShock, so you were playing right. this on it a. It does not support the. Yeah, you were playing this yep. on a D-pad. Um, I played through this entire game on it, the um, thumbsticks myself this time, and when I went back to um, the PS One version, you did have to play it on the D-pad. It makes a world of difference. It truly does. Like the this type of three D platformer, I think needs for a modern gamer a thumbstick so i'm glad that that is a really good thing that came from this series too 
But the irony, though, is the, most of the other levels I felt better playing with a thumbstick than with a D-pad anyway. It was just the boulder levels that I really felt needed that extra precision. See, I, I caught myself using the D-pad a lot on the levels that were side-scrolling. Especially or, especially the side-scrolling and the, the ones like the temple level where you kind of are in the background and forward and all that. Like, I and, and all the bonus levels, all the uh, Tana's mm-hmm. levels, all of Engage's levels. Like, I couldn't imagine playing those. So I played everything Fuck stick the, this time. <laughs> the Engage levels are such a pain in the ass compared to the Tana levels. Oh, yeah, levels. oh, yeah. Oh, my God, they're like a... The Tana levels are a breeze in comparison. I think that's intentional. I think like Tana's levels are the easiest, embryos are the middle levels, and then the uh, engage levels are the hardest ones. Um, or whatever it's fucking neocortex. Yeah, cortex. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Engage. I said en- the engage, which is the Nokia <laughs> cell phone. Yeah, there was an Elder Scrolls game released for that. Oh my god, was it really? Yes, there was. It was called like Elder Scrolls Travels. I think it was one or two of them. I bet you could play Skyrim oh on god. it. God. <laughs> Uh, so I think if I had to pick a favorite level from Crash One, dude, honestly, it's probably the it's probably the first level. It's so iconic. It's so level. iconic. Like I know that level like the back of my hand. It's the only level in the entire game that this playthrough I got the uh, get the all the boxes and I got the platinum speed time for it. I got I beat that fucker in twenty four seconds. Uh, we should definitely mention they added a uh, speed run like thing to this version of the game where you can like redo the level and then like get like a certain time frame. Yeah, and I don't think that was in the original Crash One. No, this is new to this one. It definitely is in Crash Three. So I don't know. Yeah, they definitely retro retro oh, put okay. that in there. Because in Crash nice. in Crash Three, there are the the gems for getting all the boxes, and then there's the onk. You get the onks for doing the speed run times, which can, okay. can be a bitch. Yeah, the onks were added to this game though, like retroactively, which is kind of yeah. neat. I didn't go for any of the speed time stuff in this one. No, I didn't either. I just I I wanted to beat all the levels. I didn't even beat all the levels. Spoilers: I played the game for about two hours. Um, you two got a lot further than I yeah. did, but like, yeah, th- th- there's a lot of game. It, it's game. a longer game than I remembered it being too. Um, I did beat sure. it completely. Um, yeah, but it is longer than I thought it would be. I was attempting to do uh, at least go through and get all the uh, the box gems. Um, I quickly gave the fuck up <laughs> on that when, like, like I said, I got the two levels in a row that were like, "Hey, you got them all, but you died. Sorry, doesn't count. Go fuck it." I also think there it has a backtracking mechanic too that I'm not super fond of, where there's some gems that you have to get before you can go back to previous levels and get the other yeah. ones. It's not one of my favorite mechanics. Yeah. So I wish I could just play that level and get everything the first time through, but it is what it is. Yeah, five out of the six of the colored gems are in the third island of the three islands. Yeah. So unless you get the colored gems, you can't get every box in each world. And I think also, like, get all boxes is kind of, I don't know, less uh, less satisfying than, I don't know, grab all coins or something. Like, I don't know. There's just something about it that seems a little weirdly artificial. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, but smashing boxes kind of became crash just today. Yeah. True. I mean, true. I'm not saying that it's like a bad gameplay mechanic. I'm just saying I think that there, there may have been a middle way to do a 100% of the level that just wasn't that. Well, I do appreciate the fact that it is mostly visible things that you can find, and I think there's good enough hints for the ones that aren't quite visible to be able to find the boxes, rather than, oh, you have to jump off of this 
like say a Super Mario World hidden exits thing where I, there's some of those mm-hmm. hidden exits I don't know how you'd find unless you had a neighbor that already knew it or whatever. Quick, that's that's true. Bro. Quick question, Nate. Towards the end of the game, it's like the level before you fight Cortex or the level before the level you fight Cortex. The fucking end of the level is right in front of you. Did you just hop across and hop on it and finish that level like that? Is that the one in the hallway where you have to do like th- those metal boxes to make platforms appear and like open doors? Uh, it must be because I don't remember that because I just hopped across and just hopped in the thing and went. I don't think I did. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, because you could just hop right across and just in in the level like immediately. <laughs> no. And I was like, "What the fuck? All right, well that works." <laughs> Oh, um, so let's talk about some of the bosses. Yeah. Um, the first boss that popped up uh, was the iconic, I don't even know what he would be, like an islander or whatever, Papa Papa. Yeah, it's like an island chieftain or whatever. Yeah, and that fight, I remember like thinking it was a pain in the ass when I was a kid. You just literally jump on him three it. times. He doesn't hit you if you just jump immediately. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, and I remember once once I figured it out as a kid, I was like, oh, dude, I'll never have an issue with this again. And then, yeah, when I went through it this time, it was like, bop, 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 dead. Like, oh, it's over. And the funny thing is, like, I also remember that being a tougher fight. So I made sure when I played on the PS1 to play back up through Poppy Poppy. No, it's that easy on the PS1 version. <laughs> it really is. Like, there is literally no difference between those two fights. It's ridiculous because I remember that being a lot worse than it was, but it was really just as simple as we made it out to be. You just jump on Poppy Poppy three times. He can't really hit you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As long as you can avoid that big spinny attack, which is not that hard to avoid. I never even let him finish the spinny attack. You just jump on him. He's like, he doesn't move. I died more times to the backswing on the uh, Poppy Poppy's attack than anything else. Oh, yeah. The backswing will get you. Because um, I just did not realize I had to wait for him to pull it up my least my personal least favorite I love the character but I hate his fucking fight is the second boss Ripper is Ripper yeah uh, the fight's yeah. not fun I love Ripper oh, he's, as the character because it's just you have to memorize what things he <laughs> yeah, cause he does, he has a pattern that is set it's not like he follows Crash yeah. it's not like that there is a set pattern that you start to realize so you know when to jump on the TNT to set it off or he'll get hit by it I do think Ripper was the neatest design of all yeah. the bosses like and like it also kind of made me think of like oh shit 90s cartoon <laughs> australia he's rocco's modern life <laughs> um and then the boss after that uh is koala kong which uh, yeah which is dude i got i got fucked up by koala kong a couple times because i just got like the shoot back mechanic is a little unfair where it's like i got cock blocked by a little fucking minecart. uh minecart taking a taking my hit for him a couple uh, times yeah yep. yeah you got a time and, i don't know like yeah but like I, I i got too conservative with the timing too and it was just like oh no he just gets right back into it so you have to i don't know yeah, yeah i died a few you times have to respect him. it without over respect yeah it. that just sucks yeah, he was fun though like once but I, I, I thought the boss fights were pretty good in this game yeah, they're not bad speaking like they're more creative than the, the levels i've comp- oh, so they're yeah, more no, creative they're than most mario creative. bosses ever have been yeah yeah, they're, they're basically Mario Galaxy level boss fights. Like ancient, well, 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 well before Mario Galaxy ever came out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, like, I mean, if anything, the things I've had the most annoyance with were, like, mid, mid-platforming mid levels, like Temple Ruin and uh, the uh, 
the sky level that came after that where it was just like a little bit too strict and i think the 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 biggest frustration i had was like when i handled a really difficult platforming challenge i didn't feel like yeah i fucking nailed it i just felt like oh okay i guess the thing that fucked up didn't happen that time (laughs) Like, I didn't get as much satisfaction out of beating the harder platforming as I would have liked. Dude, there was little... So, you know how sometimes when you go through a level and you're having issues, when you finally beat it, Crash will go, phew, and he'll, like, wipe yeah, his yeah. brow and go, shoo. Dude, I literally beat a level and went, phew, like that at the same time <laughs> Crash did. Like, without even meaning to. I was just like, oh, shit. Um, I love that. I don't know, I just, I think some of the middle levels were a little obnoxious, uh, especially the, uh, the, the bridge in the sky level was fucking annoying as hell. Like, that was a bad Yeah, level. that's I not a fun level, level, and I wish you would have known about the cheese strats before you did it. Cheesing is not easy either, though, because I fell off so many fucking times because I would accidentally tilt my thumbstick to the wrong direction. That was a time where using the D-pad was nice because I could just yeah. go up. And he would just run straight, and I wasn't fucking it up. But, I mean, even if you just did it straight like I did, it just it felt like a really annoying Mario World mm-hmm. level. Like, the worst and most annoying, but you're behind him. I don't know. It, 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 that was not one of the ones that transcended the game. And I think, also, in general, a problem I have with the game is that it's a little hard sometimes to uh, scope out forward jumps, like jumps into the background. Yeah. Like, sometimes they look way shorter than they actually are. Yeah, gauging are. depth is pretty difficult in this game. Well, just there's like a neat cartoony graphic style that occasionally makes things look way flatter than they actually are. Um, speak, bro- but that's like, that's my biggest complaint. Like, aside from that, I had a fucking load of fun, to be honest. Uh, speaking of cheese, though, uh, real quick, in Crash 3, in Warped, there's a boss fight... Uh, or you're fighting against, I don't remember his name, but he's like a lion, it's a lion guy in the Coliseum. Oh, it's Tiny. You're yeah, I remember Tiny. tiny. Coliseum. So, when he releases the lions and they come at you, if you run to the front left corner of the map and just stand in that corner and run in that corner, the lions can't hit you. And it's like a way to cheese the boss. So, in the remaster of 3, in the Insane Trilogy, if you do that, the crowd starts pelting you with cheese. <laughs> that's a really good touch. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like that uh, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, so the the next boss after old, uh, Koala Kong was Pinstripe Potoroo. That one was kind of a pain. Uh, I didn't like that one as much as the other ones. Because it was basically just hide behind a piece of furniture, wait for your opportunity where his gun is out of ammo and punch him and then run and hide again. Yeah, and God forbid you didn't stand behind the right part of the chair and a bullet hit you, and you fucking you fucking died. Yeah, I had several attempts on that where I just got hit for what seemed like no good reason. Yeah, yeah, same here, same here. And he was a bit of a bitch, but like, I remember when I beat him, I was like, all right. But I take back what I said about Ruparu. My least favorite fucking boss fight in this entire game was fucking Doctor Nitrous or Embryo. My only problem with that is he has two phases, and it took me several tries to figure out how to damage his second phase. Yeah. Uh, you, well, you just, like, fucking have to jump on his head, right? Yeah, but there was no real indication for that. Like, he had to stand on... Oh, yeah, no. Like, and I was just like, do I spin felt- on him? Nope, spinning got me killed. What do I do? <laughs> so it feels like a quarter-muncher game from something that isn't actually an yeah. arcade game. 
Yeah, and if you don't jump on his head right, like if you don't jump high enough, it'll kill you too. It's it's a pain. Yeah, the first He's phase I liked a lot. I thought the first phase was a really good boss fight. The second phase just felt like, why'd they do this? Yeah, why? <laughs> yeah, that's... And then uh, the only other boss in the game, if you don't count Stormy Ascent, is uh, Dr. Neo Cortex. And that fight, like, so that fight took me a good few tries, mm-hmm. but once I learned the pattern and kind of got the pattern down, I beat his ass. Yeah. It wasn't bad once you knew it to do. Like, but there was a few times like when you're starting off, like he shoots like three different colored like um, lasers, I guess you'd call them, where one of them is purple and that just shoots straight to where he's shooting it. Then there's the blue one, which kind of like goes off to the side of the screen, then comes back on and either goes straight or does like a vertical movement, like sine wave type of movement. And then the green yep. one, which is the one that you can hit back at him. But that's also trial and error. If you don't know, you can hit back the green when you're just going to dodge it like everything else. Yeah, which I did the first couple. Same. <laughs> which I did the first couple. And then and then it gets to the point where like one's not good enough, so you hit it, and then you have to hit another one to combine with that yeah. one, and then that'll hit him. And it builds up, and he starts shooting more shit at you. So it becomes like a slight little bullet hell, <laughs> if you want to call it that, like a very miniature bullet yeah. hell there for a second at the very end. Um, but what, Tiny toe. <laughs> Tiny the, toe. Uh, I like that. <laughs> You beat him and you're reignited with your girlfriend and all is right in the world. At least as and far as you know. And she never appears in the series again. Yeah, it's because Crash was so happy he fucked her to death. Oh my god. Ah. <laughs> Finally. So, I know you probably didn't, Willie, but Dalton, did you attempt Stormy Ascent at all? Yes, I did. How did you do? Uh, I got to the second or third checkpoint and then said, fuck this shit. So if we haven't explained Stormy Ascent, uh, Stormy Ascent is a bonus level that was originally built for the original game, but it was about four times longer and way harder than most levels, so they just kind of cut it. It was available in Game Shark if you played the original game, but you couldn't get it normally. They just kind of removed it. But they added it for this. It's one of the two uh, things they added for uh, one of the, like, you know trilogy bonus things along with another level from part three yeah. i think well so since dalton talked so much shit on me it said <laughs> about hard platformers i had to play it i did beat stormy ascent and let me just say some mad wicked bullshit parts of it yeah like, it is <laughs> mad wicked bullshit. i didn't yeah. think most of it was too bad i actually had a lot of fun it was challenging platforming there's stuff you had to have really really good timing on like especially jumping off of like the vultures and stuff in the background to make it across some gaps but that didn't bother me at all. The only thing that really sucked for me was the final checkpoint. So, like, I don't know how you were supposed to do it. I'm thinking it must have been, like, um, like frame-perfect jumping or something. Because, like, there was this one section close to the very end. Like, even, like, it was, like, the last three jumps of the stage where, like, there were two um, of those platforms that go out of the wall, into the wall, out of the wall, into the wall. But they were on the same cycle going out, in, out, in at a space where... You can't really jump it the way that you would normally do it unless I think there must have been like a frame perfect input to get it to land. <laughs> so I luckily I, I died there several, several times until I had like, you know how when the game starts feeling pity for you after you die several times in a level and it gives you the Akuaku oh mask. So like, yeah. I had the Akuaku mask. So there were also the spike things that you could actually stand on them under the platform so I just decided yeah. to damage boost, take that spike, then jump on it, jump, and made it to the end of the level. I don't know how you're supposed to do that without damage boosting. 
Like, unless, like I said, it was a frame perfect I, jump, which sucked. I, I watched Rosie from PlayStation Access do it on a stream one time. Um, I don't remember how she did it, though. Well, that doesn't help me. But she, she, she might have done it. The, <laughs> Treachery and cheating. She might have done it the exact same way you did. I don't quite remember. Yep. But I remember she had like two lives left and then finally made it. Yeah, that, I, I had more than two lives left. But like that's the only way I could figure how to do it. Like I think I started with like 80 lives on Stormy Ascent. I think I ended with like 40. So like I'm not going to say I did an amazing job and it was a breeze. But I think it was really fun until that last checkpoint. There's just a lot of challenging stuff. That, you, that was actually, for the most part, sight-readable, which is a sign of a good level design. Yeah. That is good, yeah. I'll tell you, another level that was in Crash, um, just real quick, because we skipped over it and I forgot to bring it up, that I thought was really cool was, like, I think it's called Lights Out. Oh, the one where you had it's to the grab one. the Akuaku mask that actually lit the room up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because everything's dark if you don't have your mask. And I can't tell you how many times I grabbed the mask, like, all right, and immediately run into a hole because I didn't look ahead <laughs> when I grabbed it. Fuck! I lost like 15 lives on that level for stupid reasons. Like, none of them were like deserved deaths. They were all just stupid fucking reasons. Okay, and if you went too slow on the level, you got screwed. Because, like, I did that, oh, took my time on one because there was a lot of enemy spam coming at me. So I just went slow. My mask wore off and I couldn't see. And I was like, well, looks like I'm walking into a hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you can, you can, if you really look at the screen, you can kind of see shadows and stuff, but it doesn't. You can't see holes in the ground. Yeah, it's it's brutal, but fun. That level's a cool level. Like I liked that. I thought it was a uh, innovative, innovative, <laughs> innovative, in- innovative. So that's the word for the innovative. day. Innovative. 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 Uh. But yeah, man, I mean, I know I look through this game with nostalgia glasses, but like, it still holds up, in my opinion, and this remake, or remaster, whatever you want to call it, was fucking tremendous. It, like, I couldn't have asked for a better re, you know, redesign of this game, personally. Um, I mean, I feel like you definitely get the idea of why this game was popular when it was, and... Uh... Like, you get the full feeling of the level design and all that, and um, maybe you don't always love every level of the game, because Lord knows I didn't, but uh, I, I came out of this with a lot of respect for the designers, for sure. Oh, by the way, do you know what they called this game when it was in development before they actually came up with Crash Bandicoot? No, what was it? So, this, this was on the Wikipedia page as well, so if you go and look at it, that's... I, I'm sourcing this from Wikipedia, so this may be wrong, but... Um, when they originally came up with the idea of the game, they were like, okay, so it's a game for you jumping into the background. That's like the main uh, game mechanic, right? So like, so it's basically a game where you're looking at Sonic's ass the whole time. So we call it Sonic's ass game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And Sonic's ass game was the working title for quite a while when they that's were making funny. it. Also, there's a... Uh, I thought you'd like that. There's an interview with uh, Arx Takana uh, with the guy who did... Crash Bandicoot. Uh, I don't remember his name. It might have been Dan Tangway or it might have been Dave Calvin. One of those guys. Um, he told this... Dave Calvin? That's just Dave and Alvin of the Chipmunks. <laughs> he he told the story about uh, how when they were doing Crash Bandicoot on the original PlayStation that there are like ways that he took 
RAM and stuff like that from inside the PlayStation and used coding in the discs to have it pull from the PlayStation so he could make like certain parts of the game run smoother. Oh, wow. And so he could keep the game at a, at a speed of 60 frames a second that it would literally turn other things off in the PlayStation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously a technological marvel when you look at it. Like, it does shit that the PlayStation wouldn't be doing for two more years. Yeah. Like, I think the original game came out in, like, 1996, and it was doing shit, like, from decades. Or decades. Not decades, but it was doing shit from years later. Like, it is a really optimized, really well-coded game, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, if you... We're gonna. If is there anything else you guys want to touch on about this before we give it into a rating? I think we got it covered, my dude. All right. I I feel like we've nailed it. We've told everyone it's a fantastic adaptation of a fantastic old game, and uh, I think that your uh, how you feel about this game is just gonna come down to whether you think it holds up today. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna give it a solid eight Wumpa fruit out of Aku Aku Mass. I think I'm going to have to go a little harsher just because I didn't love a lot of the stage design. I'm going to basically say, uh, again, like sometimes the platforming just isn't as satisfying as I would like. But like when it's good, it's fucking great. The audio especially is fantastic. Like, the mute, Not just the music. <laughs> not just the music, but yeah, the incidental sounds, everything. And I'm... Uh, I will give it uh, seven and a half Aku Aku masks out of uh, ten. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that I'm giving this the highest score out of everybody. Uh, I, I like this game, and I respect a lot of what it did. I think it. I think you can't deny that Crash Bandicoot was impactful for the future of platformers, and it did things. I do think it did little things a lot of, that no other platformer had done before. And for those reasons, I'll give it an eight and a half Aku Aku's out of Wumpa Fruits. Um, but it's just mostly because, like, I think, it, A, it holds up. It's still really fun. I think it has its problems, for sure. But I think what it did for platformers moving forward was huge because I just think there was a lot of things that it did that nobody had done before. I know you don't think so, but I kind of do. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what's up, gentlemen. That That is our, that is our Crash Bandicoot stuff. Now, let me... Uh Get these old show notes pulled up here. Uh, oh, next week was Willie's. Uh, oh, yeah, it's my pick. So I guess I have to uh, choose the next game. So I have chosen a game that I have played and almost beat, but haven't quite finished. I'm going to delete my own save file on it, too, so we're all at the uh, same level when we play it. It's a uh, little indie game that is quite fun called Downwell. Nice. Okay. That's one I've been looking forward I, to playing for quite a while. It's been sitting in my Steam library. I've never played it. So I'm pretty happy to get that one checked off and see what that's all about. Because it sounds really cool. I don't know if you like the uh, fucking uh, cartridge system from uh, Gato Roboto. That's in this nice. game as well, basically. So. Oh, yeah, that'll be cool. That'll be cool. I look forward to it, man. Um, then let's see. Oh, then, okay, let's give a special shout-out to our Patreons. Uh, of course. Shout, What's up, Patreons? Shout-out to all you guys with an extra special shout-out to Nate Sir Cogsworth, the 7th of Juniper, Jeff the Originable, you, Expendable, Old Jeffy Lube himself. Thank you for the boost in your Big pledge. enthusiast, Jeff. Um, and then Ariso Adam. Shout, Ariso Adam! Shout-out to his podcast, Revival and Extinction. 
Hell yeah. He just did Marvel a uh, station. I believe they're covering uh, Arceus. Yep, he just did a review on Pokemon Arceus. Yep, I gave it a listen right. already. It's a good episode. I recommend you check it out. Yep. Shit, yeah. Yep, for sure. He's a good dude. And plus, he has an Australian accent. Who doesn't love Australian accents? Crikey. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, if you want to join the Patreon. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have been watching a lot of Crocodile Hunter recently. I just got this w- whim to watch it the other day. It's been nice. wonderful. Um, if you want to join our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash the Steam Machine Podcast. Uh, just $1 a month gets you the episodes early, uh, and you get to hear our little bullshit before we start. Uh, here lately, I've been finding little lists to go through and things like that. It's been a good, it's been a good fun time. Uh, I believe today we uh, did a top 15 difficult platformers thing or some yeah. shit like that. Yep. Yep, and a list of the top crash Maybe. games. Yeah, before we forget, uh, shout-outs to extra shout-outs to the original expendable Jeffy Lube for the boost in his pledge this week. That's right. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I did say did that, you? but I, I believe th- Willie was also uh, saying, hey, Jeffy Lube, oh, at the same okay. time, so I think it's just started out. But, <laughs> yeah, but thank you for saying it audibly, though. I appreciate that. <laughs> I thought we forgot. Um, I just wanted to make sure we got that in there, because you demand, Jeff. <laughs> And uh, also, big hugs. Also, I do want to send a, uh, a shout out too to our buddy Palsh, because I am recording this through an uh, M Track solo, uh, which he got me for me and him to do some music together and stuff. So if my mic sounds especially good this week, uh, thank him. And if it sounds awful, send him your hate tweets. <laughs> yeah, Dalton just continually outpacing us in the microphone department with me and Willie and our blue snowballs. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you, you guys sound good though, man. You're very easy to edit, which is nice on on my behalf. Um, so let's see where where was I at? Patreon. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, if you want to come join the, <laughs> the Discord, uh, it's bit you should bit.ly slash tsmp discord, all capital letters. We have votes on uh, some of our uh, episodes. Although lately, I think we're doing more uh, host picks, but we are still taking votes for. Uh, games each month so uh, definitely show up and uh, also just fucking come and hang out we've made a new channel for the Pokemon games because there's been so much Pokemon chat I did that so I could avoid spoilers that's smart (laughs) so so I just kind of pop in there from time to time (laughs) but there's also pictures of pizzas there's also just like fucking people that know way too much shit about fighting games and anime or just like talking all that <laughs> knowledge it's crazy up in there also like if you're listening to this and you're a music your music head please come join and talk to me in the music channel it's very lonely in there i'm the only person posting this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I love our discord man everybody's super awesome and i believe the uh, the game that's winning their poll which the listener poll will be the game after downwell it's going to be, I believe, it's Star Wars Outcast, Jedi Outcast Two. Yeah, Star Wars Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast, Jedi Knight Two, Jedi Outcast. Yeah, yeah. So that one, that game is like renowned for, I think, having the best lightsaber combat up until the newest Star Wars game came out. Wow, I, I actually never played Jedi Outcast. I played Jedi Knight One, and I played Dark Forces One. I this is this is exciting. Also, yeah, so the yeah. current show poll, the one's gonna be the next long game after Jedi Knight Two, is extremely close right now. There's a t- there's like a one vote separation between Amnesia: The Dark Descent and Hyperdimension: Neptunia Rebirth One. So, if you want to see one of those games more than the other, get in there and take a vote because that is really close right now. Yeah, for- huge difference between those two games too. Like 
Damn. Yeah, one is a happy-go-lucky JRPG with some cute anime girls, and the other one is an abysmal horror <laughs> game that's going to fucking seep at our souls. Or at least it used to be. I don't know if it still holds up. We'll see. But It's got to be better than Blair uh, Witch. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but poor old... And, and you're making that face like we didn't play any good horror games. <laughs> Come on. This October, fair, we did fair. some good ones. Oh. You like you, you like that one with the, the Blair yeah. Witch style graphics, so the PlayStation one. Speaking of good. Blair Witch, on uh, the old Abandonware site that I was perusing the other day, uh, there are three Blair Witch games that came out back in the day that are like semi-based on the movies. Oh my gosh. And I was like, oh, download these. Check these out in my own time. <laughs> <laughs> See what the fuck's going on with this. Just don't uh, kick the map into the river. Okay, I won't. You know, I was... Just uh, for vague things like that, I was reading a non-spoiler like hint guide for Persona 3 the other day just to see if there's anything I need to know. And one of the people was like, have fun, do the game, play it how you want to play it, but don't hug her. <laughs> and I was like, don't hug her? What the fuck is that alluding to? So now I'm gonna, now every time I'm playing, I'm like, okay, is she going to ask me to hug her? Because if not, I'm, I'm not, not going to hug gonna her. You're going to hug her. You will. <laughs> um I'll hug everyone that listens to this podcast. I'm the hugging king. Yeah. I'm ba- I'm the Bailey of hugs. Uh, Wait, Bailey is already the Bailey of hugs. Not anymore, though. It's an open market. Oh, shit, really? The uh, So, if you, real quick, a few quick more links, then I'm going to pass it over to you guys to do your plugs and stuff. Uh, if you if you like the intro music to the show, go to nilethenightmare.bandcamp.com. You can pick up my music there. Um, if you want some merch... And you want like a cool shirt with our our logo on it, or like just the one with Steamy on it, or anything like that? You can go to tsmpproductions.threadless.com, and you can find all kinds of merch on there for our stuff, and uh, some of my stuff for uh, Nile the Nightmare as well, I believe. And if you don't want to remember all of those links that I just said to you, and if you just want them all in one succinct place, it's bit.ly/slash/the-steam-machine-podcast, capitalized phonetically. You're good to go. All of the shit's on there. It's our website. You can find our episodes on there. You can find you know, links, all of that jazz. And speaking of links, there's a link on there to one Turtle Bear Man's Twitch, which I'm going to let him plug now. Yeah, if you like the retro game garbage like me, come follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash turtlebearman. Also post on Twitter and TikTok, so those are fun places to find me. Also, Turtle Bear Man. And Will, you got any recs or anything you want to throw out there this week? Any plugs? Um... Man, I don't have anything of my own to plug, but um, I think I mentioned it a while back, but uh, if anyone's looking for a cool Doom mod to play, Time Tripper is so fucking sick. Like, just play Time Tripper. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. And uh, if I have a recommendation this week for anybody, uh, and I know it's not Halloween anymore, but uh, go on YouTube and search Rhett and Link. Everybody knows who fucking Rhett and Link is, and if you don't, it's Good Mythical Morning, guys. Um, they have a video called Rhett and Link's Night of Terror, and it's a little horror short film that they did on TikTok in little sections, but then they compiled them all together and put it up onto YouTube. It's like 22 minutes long. It's very entertaining, and the song that's in it will haunt you, and it's so fucking good. Boo. So that, You're haunted. That, that's my wreck for the week. Boo. Boo. I'm scared. Better say goodbye when you're talking to me through the Ouija board, or I'm going to haunt your ass forever. <laughs> Phasmophobia joke. Anyway, uh, before we fall any f- down the 
I can't even talk. All right, we're going to wrap it up here <laughs> for, 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 for the, the Brothers sanity. of Destruction. <laughs> uh, I am Dalton, and as always, guys, take it easy. <laughs>